0: This is the podcast for October 5th, 2012. It's not safe for work.
1: Recorded live from just outside Barack Obama's advanced anger management class, it's the professional left with Drift Glass and Blue Gal.
0: And just so we're clear, we've dropped out of Mm. Barack Obama's advanced anger management
1: class. Yeah. We audited it for about a week a yeah, couple of years we ago. We just
0: gave yeah. up.
1: Yeah. Well, you know anybody who sort of made it through the the age of Bush, yeah, um, and kept their sanity and stayed on the left, um, and didn't move to Canada as apparently fifty million of us did, or maybe ten people. I'm not sure which, but um, has got seven to be seven and a half. Yeah, <laughs> it's exactly seven and a half liberals moved to Canada. Um, not just like any of our brothers and sisters north of the uh, Canadian border, or any expats out there who got the hell out of Dodge because they just couldn't stay, take it anymore, or life was better for them elsewhere. But if you made it through the age of Bush, you know this script, um, and it is a source of it. it, it going through 2004, uh, going through 2000, but definitely going through 2004 it was a radicalizing experience, yep. and it politicized almost every liberal i know didn't it didn't change their viewpoint but it sort of magnetized them yep it it snapped them into a grid of holy fuck we can't assume and this is this actually goes to a really lovely podcast you sent me to listen to dc encode or dc code
0: decode dc which is a new podcast i think they're on episode three
1: yeah it was was very good it was it was about and it was. George Lakoff and framing but it was very clearly explained that liberals have this fantasy of enlightenment thinking not that the world shouldn't be that way but that that's how people process information that's how you win arguments people look at the evidence they think logically they rationally reason down to a logical conclusion and that's how the Obama administration originally rolled out health care it was David Axelrod saying here are the 28 points we would like you to, to memorize are you fucking kidding me and the Republicans, being Republicans, bypassed completely the actual policy, and there was no particular element of the bill they hated. They just said uh, it's anti-freedom, it's socialism, and it's trying to kill your grandmother. And
0: death panels, yeah.
1: And it was it was a brilliant understanding, um, conception of how. Lots of people think. They don't think in 28-point policy prescriptions. They well, don't think and they don't caps.
0: even think in terms of their own lives and their own experience in a rational way. And no. actually, someone this week, uh, our listener, John, I want to thank him. Um, he sent us a copy of Jonathan Haidt's book. Yeah. <laughs> and right. we'll see. We'll see. I'm going to take a look at it. I promise I will take a look at it with a calm mm-hmm. uh, demeanor. I'm yeah. not sure I'm going to like it, but we will take a look at it, and I'll let you know what I think in a future podcast. But thank you very much for sending me that. That was a nice gift. Thank
1: you. And, well, and the information on which Mister Haight bases his his statements is probably all rich and delicious. Mm-hmm. It's his conclusions that I find odious and ridiculous. Yeah.
0: Well, it's, we'll we'll take a look, and I'll take a look, and I'll share what I've learned with everyone. I don't mm-hmm. think you said you wanted to read it, but no. And I want to say, too, that I have to confess that I did not watch last night's debate. We're taping this on Thursday afternoon. Yes. Um, I watched it, quote unquote, on Twitter because, uh, as you have told me about a friend of yours who could never watch the end of the... Bulls game. Bulls game. Yeah. The basketball game where they were down by two and they were down by two and they were down by two and then they get a three-point shot and... Your friend would just walk out of the room. Four minutes left in the game.
1: Say, I can't watch. I, I just can't it's over. watch. Just tell me when it's over. That's yeah, all. Yeah, and
0: that's that. That was me last yeah. night. I, I I was just going to get physically ill,
1: yeah.
0: no matter what Mitt Romney said. I was just going to get physically ill watching it, and so I just stepped away. Yeah. But you know, I've by the way, the thing now I'm, you know,
1: now you know what every Cubs fan feels like. <laughs> <laughs> really, really, you had this one in the bag, and you what? Oh, what now? So.
0: Well, and and I want to talk a little bit about your post at your blog about the dead hand of David Broder because it's an excellent post. And that was the thing that made me the most angry 12 hours later is that yep. the mainstream media that wants a horse race won. It, did. it won the debate because now we get to discuss it as if. And some troll left a comment at my blog saying, so do you really think Mitt Romney doesn't want to be president now? Hmm, hmm. But I love Batoccio said, the real question is, do you think Barack Obama wants to be president now? And I thought, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what I I'm just I'm furious at him for not fighting harder. Mm-hmm. I, but I do understand. How he was Shanghai, because the guy who was supposed to show up at the debate didn't. And who, right. the guy who did show up was a liar. Yeah. And so we're going to talk about that. First of all, let's talk about how, let's mm-hmm. define for our listeners who might not know this uh-huh. Digby's term high broderism. I believe it came from Digby. Yeah. Digby, high digby, is, a,
1: digby is one of the, um, one of the Titans. Uh, yes. and by that, I mean, Pointage. she gave yeah. she gave birth to a race of gods who are now trying to eat her. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, digby, digby is a wonderful blogger who's been blogging since the beginning of time. Um, over at Hullabaloo, a magnificent writer, and from whose existence the phrase, what Digby said, was coined. Uh, many generations of bloggers have started and run entire blogs by doing nothing but copying and pasting Digby's work, which if she got paid by the word, I'm sure she'd be really thrilled with, but none of us do. So, and Digby and I have a, have a great deal of respect for each other, and, and she links to me sometimes, and I link to her sometimes, and that's all a good thing. And she's a very fine writer, but she coined a lot of terms. I believe she coined the phrase high Broderism as well as the term the village. Yes.
0: Uh,
1: which are sort of, they go hand in glove. High Broderism is, um, is from uh, the longtime dean of the Washington Press Corps, as Tim Russert used to intone uh, solemnly every time he walked on David Broder. And David Broder. Uh, first of all, David Broder. The late David Broder. Yeah. Um, the late David Broder. Believed in a number of things. He believed that the Clintons destroyed Washington. Um, from David Broder, uh, we discovered that, that Washington was his town. That Washington is an insular little village full of incredibly powerful people who live inside a little bubble. And they all tell each other wild stories about the great frontier, about America, about what Americans really think and what, what Americans really believe and what the heartland really knows. And they don't know shit about anything. But they make these stories up, and the first time David Broder got into a huff was when Bill Clinton came to town, and and wrecked the place according to him. And that's when everybody sort of said, "Wait a minute, there's you know, how did that happen? What? Well, it was he was an outsider? He didn't belong there. He wasn't of them. He wasn't. He didn't go to the right cocktail parties. He didn't eat the right cocktail weenies." But high broderism really came into its own under the Bush administration, which is when. David Broder in, in, and the entire Washington press corps, almost without exception, in the face of overwhelming evidence that George Bush was fucking up mightily and was, and, and, and was screwing Democrats and was treating them like a footstool. David Broder's constant through line was, yeah, but bipartisan above all things. You must be bipartisan at all times. You must take the center in all things, ignoring the fact that the, the right keeps moving into crazyville. And the left keeps moving to where Nixon used to be. So the center that David Broder cherished above all things kept rocketing further and further right. And that is a fact that David Broder would never fucking acknowledge. He simply said, you know, it was a mathematical formula. Wherever the right is today, wherever the left is today, whatever that means. Remember, the right is usually um, Rush Limbaugh. (laughs) And the left, according to his take on things, is usually Harold Ford Jr. or Joe Lieberman. So you draw a line between those two positions, whatever the 50-yard line of that line is, that's where you should be. And it didn't matter to him that the 50-yard line itself kept moving relative to the rest of the world because the right kept changing further and further and further right. So and anyone who pointed out the fact that this observation was ludicrous and that the Republican Party was now just lying constantly – was labeled by uh, Mr. Broder. I believe the phrase was "vituperative foul mouthed blogger of the yep. left." That's so. Right. The anyone who observed that this was ridiculous, the factually ridiculous, was cut out of the conversation mm-hmm. because it, it it screwed up the Beltway media's attempt to define the conversation as a chat between John McCain and Joe Lieberman.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and, well, and, and David Broder also would would absolutely push the envelope of being kind to right-wingers yes, to create absolutely. balance. Um, I'm looking at a post he wrote, a uh, column he wrote in the Washington Post from February 11th, 2010, uh-huh. where he says, the snows that obliterated Washington in the past week interfered with many scheduled meetings, but did, they did not prevent the delivery of one important political message – take Sarah Palin seriously. Yep. yep. This is not the first time that Palin has impressed me, and he goes on. Yeah. He also wrote uh, that we should take Newt Gingrich seriously.
1: So, th- so broderism is like the E equals MC squared of village formula. It's the simple, elegant, central explanation from which all other formulas are derived. It's where hippie punching comes from, because, because it is simply absurd to suggest that the center between the lying right and anything is reasonable because, hey, they're lying. Also, they're wrong. Also, they were wrong last week, and you're not mentioning it last week. Also, look at all this crazy bullshit they said off camera that everyone else knows about that you refuse to hold them to. So there's this whole berserker mentality on the right that says we can get away with anything. And they can because no matter how crazy the right gets, uh, my favorite joke, because I invented it, is – Dick Cheney is filmed on the White House lawn throwing burning kittens at homeless veterans. What are the first three words out of David Broder's mouth? And they are, Mm -hmm. but the Democrats. And no matter how how large the atrocity is or no matter how how big the lie is or how many lies they tell, David Broder's immediate reaction was to say, well, you know, the left is just as bad. And because that's simply a lie – and because on some basal molecular level, I'm sure he knew it was a lie. What he would do is invent imaginary positions for imaginary hippies to believe in, and then impute to them those positions, and then say, "See, this is what both sides works. are equally responsible." I mean, there's unreasonable. a long
0: tradition now in Beltway media of doing exactly this. Yeah,
1: everyone does it. In fact, it might be it would be fair to say you cannot get on television. Unless you are willing to sign off on this enormous lie, this is this is why I obsess over this lie because it is the big lie that keeps all the little lies in place. And last Can I night, bring up Sherrod the,
0: Brown now since you said big lie.
1: Sure, <laughs> sure. And 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 I will I will warn you because I've had readers who had this experience. Once you start listening yeah. for this lie, it, you hear it everywhere. It's 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 creepy. In fact, every. Letter Every email I get from the composite character who I refer to as yeah. Crazy Uncle who's Liberty, that left wing, no matter left how wing thoroughly relative, I debunk oh, it,
0: right-wing relative co-worker who's forwarding all the crap is Crazy Uncle Liberty.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Or just somebody who, who throws a bunch of stuff at Drift, whatever. The, the the composite character, no matter how thoroughly and meticulously you debunk their latest bullshit and point out that Everything you just said is a lie, and the person you just quoted is a notorious liar, and everything you believe in is bullshit, and here's a mountain of evidence. They will always come back. They will always rebut with the same paragraph. Well, you know, liberals are just bad. Both sides
0: do it. Yeah. Well, I I did want to say that you said the big lie. A shout-out to Senator Sherrod Brown because he has been accusing his opponent, Josh Mandel, of telling the big lie, which is – you know, Sherrod yeah. Brown cast the deciding vote on on Obamacare and apparently everybody <laughs> on any Democratic candidate yeah. cast the deciding vote on Obamacare. That's that's the big lie. Yes. And and if you just keep telling it over mm-hmm. and over again, everybody has to believe it because, you know, you can't be lying that big. Right. I mean, it's got to be true. And so all these right wing blogs mm-hmm. have found on Google, Hot Air and Breitbart.com are now all saying, Sherrod Brown invokes Mein Kampf to go after Jewish yes. opponent Josh Mandel, because, you know, in Mein Kampf, That's- he says the big lie, you know, tell the big lie, and that will make everyone mm-hmm. believe you. So, obviously, Sherrod Brown is a Nazi. and
1: <laughs> uh, QED, yeah, thus is demonstrated. And- <laughs> Yeah.
0: And this is – I want to give a couple of other examples of of these big lies that are going on uh, and then also, uh-huh. again, go back to how the media is covering them. And the, and, and the and debate. And the biggest lie of all was from Mitt Romney, and we'll get to that. But I want to go local for a minute yeah. because we, we
1: have – Yeah, absolutely. Uh,
0: we are being inundated with political ads here in southern Illinois because uh, David Gill, who is – Uh, a Blue America candidate and is has been uh, selected by, not that I love the DCCC so much, but their red to blue program to take uh, Republican districts, although this is a process of redistricting, uh, it is possible that now that we are represented by, (laughs) we are now represented by John Shimkus, who incidentally, one of his staffers uh-huh. attacked Lindsay Lohan in her hotel room. He's the guy. He's the he's the guy whose yeah. staffer did that. Um, so David Gill is running against this guy named Rodney Davis, who is putting out all these ads uh, against David Gill that are very well funded from clearly from outside yeah. the district. And Rodney Davis then there's a little snippet of Rodney Davis saying. Uh, what he will do and what, you know, what he will do is keep taxes low and needless regulation and repeal Obamacare. That's the platform.
1: Sound familiar? <laughs> He's just such yes.
0: a tea It drives me crazy. And he really is just comes across to me. I am speaking from my own personal opinion here as a dimwit. I uh-huh. mean, he just seems like a dimwit to me. But, but he has yeah. been accusing David Gill in these ads of wanting to end Medicare. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm with very dire to just slap
0: you know, my hip here because black and white grainy this footage is slapping funny. Uh-huh. And he takes these out of context snippets of David Gill saying, and of course, it won't be Medicare anymore after that. And we th- we need to increase revenue to provide more health care for people. And mm-hmm. and then the big lie, the, the biggest one is he has the red word liberal across the screen. David yes. Gill. Yes. He's a liberal. The mm-hmm. thing about David Gill is he's an emergency room physician. Yeah. And it just cracks yeah. me up. I put on Facebook, I went to David Gill's Facebook page and said, anyone who knows anything about David Gill knows that the reason he's for um, expanding access to health insurance is because he's a capitalist, not because he's a socialist liberal. Yeah. He knows that hospitals. Well, I would imagine yeah.
1: he sees a lot of people. He sees sh- a lot of uninsured yeah. people. he sees a lot of and his up the ER- to ER.
0: so <laughs> it <Right>. has nothing.
1: <laughs> and the worst and the worst place in the to ER, eat that is in the where ER, where it's expensive, the very most absolutely.
0: Expensive, and he is an ER physician. That is his job right now. So it just yeah. it's astonishing yeah. to me that. And I guess the reason well, he's right, running for Congress, we're going to go see him. I think in a couple of weeks, uh, is that. Yeah. You know, he wants to defend Obamacare and can expand it. So uh, but but the lies in these ads are really big. And then we had Rudy Giuliani on last night. And I have to say, Chris Hayes did not call him a liar, uh, which is too no, bad, but really caught him it. in a lie. You know, I don't have any government contracts. Yeah. All my contracts are with private industry, it, yeah. private industry lobbying Congress for government contracts. <laughs> But I want right. to starve the beast. Wait. Well,
1: little teeth, I'm nursing off of, and let's just keep that one full of uh, full of goju, shall we? Yeah. Well, and but this is this, yeah, this, this is, is, the is the point, the point. Is that
0: Republicans are now using lying as their number one election methodology because it because
1: works. There, are <laughs> no there are no referees. referees.
0: And and I, I did this let is, me finish this is, thing up with Mandel because yeah. Josh Mandel running sure, against sure, sure. Sherrod Brown. And this stupid thing happened and it's it's not issue oriented and I apologize for bringing it up but the coverage of it is important and the reason I'm bringing it up is because of the mainstream media coverage of this I- incident
1: because their of reflexes. their reflexes. reflex the reflex there's of the media to cover things in a there's this elevator incident
0: where uh, Josh Mendel is in an elevator with two other people one is a reporter
1: <laughs> Oh, I know this joke. I know this joke.
0: And a guy who you can call this person a gotcha journalist if you want, but he's a cameraman who for a political action committee is going around filming Josh Mandel and then publishing videos of Josh Mandel saying stupid stuff. Or stuff that will make people upset. And so he runs this filmmaker, this film, this cameraman runs into an elevator to get in an elevator with this Republican teabagger candidate, Josh Mandel, who's running for Senate in Ohio. According to the two other people who were in the elevator, the cameraman and a third party video of the incident, Josh Mandel grabbed this guy's camera and pushed it down, grabbed it somehow by the by the lens or whatever his hand went out he grabbed it dragged it down the two people that were also in the elevator with them said that the the cameraman said that and the videotape shows on youtube shows that so we got that much going on mandela's going from place to place to place saying the cameraman grabbed me the cameraman touched me first uh-huh. which is a lie <laughs> he wouldn't t- to you yeah. again. It's a lie. He is lying. And so the Columbus Dispatch of Columbus, Ohio, mainstream media newspaper, entitled their article about this Mandel's account of confrontation differs from evidence.
1: Yeah. Not that he <laughs> lied. No, it just differs from the <laughs> truth from the in evidence some evidence.
0: Of in, four people, including a camera, mm-hmm. and so <laughs> this is this uh, is the brokerism well, that we're talking about, which is you can't say it, one person's wrong. Oh, you know what we have over here is evidence, and then what we have over here is Mandela's account, and they're equal in weight.
1: Yes, and and the way this because and this is this is really critical, really important to understand, and, and most. Most of y'all out there get we are this, preaching so to I'm choir preaching this today. for the. I
0: realize that, but.
1: Well, except our choir has gotten substantially larger. Huge numbers of people,
0: and month. we love you I all. Mean, Welcome, amazing. Yeah,
1: and we'll get to that uh, towards the end because it's it's quite remarkable what's happened to us in the last couple of weeks or months is quite remarkable. Um, but because this sort of fact-free both sides bullshit is would be you know would be annoying, were it not for the fact that that. Almost all of the blame for almost all of the shit that has gone wrong in our country in really big, important ways, um, you know, war and deficits and bank bailouts and just pernicious, persistent contempt for the truth, race baiting, et cetera, is all happening on one side of the political spectrum. Republicans are doing this. Conservatives are doing this. Sorry, Andrew Sullivan, but in this country, they're the same thing. I know in your jerk off fantasies, there's, you know, Aristotle, quite literally, he said, was a conservative. And that's great that you want to believe that. But where I live in the real world, that's just bullshit. The entire weight of the judgment of history against why this country is fucked up right now comes down on the backs of the Republican Party, their deliberate decision to destroy collegiality and comedy under Newt Gingrich. they deliberate attempts to successful attempts to recruit an army of racist morons and fundamentalists to win elections and on and on and on. And everyone knows everyone on the left knows this list, but since that reality is simply not acceptable by the corporate media, they have to invent a fake left to counterpose to the fake right. And this is where it gets really, really ugly because To maintain this completely fake balance, what has to happen is on every Sunday morning talk show virtually, on every place where the the corporate media or hybridism is practiced, you are required to artificially induce this state of balance. You do so by, number one, letting Republicans lie as much as they want, (laughs) number two, the only liberals, the only lefties, the only Democrats you ever allow within a microphone range are the ones who will say, my dear friend on the right, my colleague on the right, and will sort of say, maybe he stretched the truth a little bit, but you know, it's just unfortunate. And you know, and both sides are really bad. look at those really
0: poll numbers at and see what has happened over there.
1: And yeah. Th- so the only Democrats you allow anywhere near a microphone are mm-hmm. third way triangulating, blue dog, center-right Democrats who will agree with the premise and thus knife us all in the back. And the third important feature is for everyone to then sit and look at the camera and and cry big salty tears over the lack of bipartisanship in America. And why can't everyone just get along? Maybe if we had a third party, that would be great. That would solve all of our problems. Except, of course, the deliberate and calculated strategy of the right for the last 20 years has been to destroy bipartisanship on purpose, which you're not allowed to say, which is why last night's debate was the perfect villager debate. It had all three elements. It had Mitt Romney lying 27 times in 38 yep. minutes. Lie, 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 la lie, 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 lie. You had Barack Obama, who studied under David Brooks really wants to be this centrist compromising guy in his soul that's who he really is reduced to a stuttering mess because he couldn't by the laws of broderism, say Mitt Romney's fucking lying He could only reduce himself to say uh, um, you know Mitt I, I don't think that's um, you know uh, strictly accurate or um, you know exactly correct but you and I agree on Social Security. And then at the end, of course, Jim Lehrer rolls out. The last topic I'd like to talk about is bipartisanship. Why can't we reach across the aisle in this country? And that's where Mitt Romney, being a really good liar, jumped in and said, well, you know, I could do that. I worked with the Democrats in Massachusetts and I managed to, to work across the aisle. And that's something I could do that the president just doesn't do. And. The idea that the Republican in this race could look anyone in the face and say the real problem with our government right now is that the president doesn't capitulate enough. He doesn't compromise enough. He doesn't reach out to Republicans enough. Should have stopped the debate right there. In a high school debate, in any kind of sanctioned forensic debate, if you just make shit up, if you just lie and everyone in the room knows you're lying. Then They, they disqualify sort of you.
0: I mean, you can also have long-term you. punishment, right? Like you don't get to debate next year, yeah.
1: right? Your team. Yeah. yeah. But in this case, in this case, this was why this was the perfect villager debate. This is why it was the dead hand of David Broder, because you had the Democrat. Um, stuttering, stuttering and trying to compromise and trying to find common ground and never, ever, ever calling the Republican a liar to his face, even though he's lying to your face, which is insulting to my intelligence. And then you had the Republican just just realize after about two or three minutes. Wait a minute. This has n- this guy's not going to fight back at all. Holy shit. I can say anything. He's not going to call me out on anything. Oh, this is great. And just roll over him like a tank. And the moderator just sort of staring into space, checking his watch, and eventually get around to talking about, isn't it a shame that we both sides can't get along these days? Wonder why that is. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is high at its absolute high watermark. And that is why I do obsess, I admit, on my blog, with the big lie of centrism. Because without high without this obsession. With pretending that Republicans aren't liars and and pretending that the real problem with our government is that Democrats don't compromise enough. The people who promulgate that lie are public enemies. The problem with our system is not that Republicans are liars. The problem with our system is that nobody calls them out on it. No one in the media calls them out on it. The president of the United States doesn't call them out because that's against the rules. And until those rules are changed, we're going to keep losing, Mm -hmm. period. It's not enough that Barack Obama lost. That happens to everybody. The question Mm -hmm. was, why did he lose? Why did he lose so bad? And the answer is he, everybody on that stage played by the villager Broder rules. And when Democrats are stupid enough to get suckered into that, that game, we always lose because the game is set up to make us lose because the debate is formatted in such a way that won't permit us to win and that's why i focus so highly on david brooks david gregory george stephanopoulos because
0: well, yeah, as you said
1: he did. on on bbc uh, this week on this week he he was something was going around and around but what if mitt Roman just lies i mean what what about this what about that and his and his response was well, is it really the moderator's job to fact check these things?
0: Well, whose job is it if it's not and the moderator? Dude,
1: yeah. you're a journalist. That's your job. And and the point is that all of the dear, sweet, thoughtful liberals who really believe that the truth, this the self-evident nature of the truth will simply carry the day are lovely people, but they're, they're completely wrong. If a lie falls in the forest and nobody calls it, it yeah. doesn't make a sense. And,
0: and that was Barack Obama. If there's
1: nobody there, and,
0: and I think it was a yeah. tactical mistake. In that, I think that Obama camp believed that if they just stayed laid really low and let Mitt Romney present his ideas as they had been presented for the past three months, they would win. Mm-hmm. And so we will just let him yeah. talk. And A lying Mitt Romney showed up and lied about everything he had. I mean, he he. This contrasted with an interview he did on Sunday. This is not. I have evolved. I have moved to the center. I'm now. This was just. I've been rehe. Because he he had been rehearsing, being this guy for two months. So yeah. You know, everyone, all the trolls who came on, the troll who came on my blog and said, you know, you think Mitt Romney doesn't want to be president now? I said, no, I feel sorry for him because he had to rehearse for two months to be this guy. That, to me, is pathetic. What, what is he going to do if he ever becomes president and he has to turn on a dime? He can't rehearse for two months well, to, it be used to be this lying sack of shit. He's,
1: well, it used to be that Republicans would at least you know, put up the token excuse that that was a youthful yeah. indiscretion, <laughs> that you've evolved. But Mitt Romney yeah. changes every and, 20 and minutes. And
0: that there wasn't and any the Etch-A-Sketch flip-flopping or just asking him, really. Huh. I, what I would have done, and you know, having twenty twenty hindsight and being able to think without actually being on a hot stage, is uh-huh. go ahead and and have a list of everything he had said since last June. And when he made a uh-huh. statement of, I don't want to do this, have a date and say, look, on June 4th, you after you had, you know, you were the de facto nominee, you said this. Do you still yeah, agree and, with the statement or this, not? And just keep going and going and, and that going might, and rope a dope that way.
1: And, and that might. Yeah. And that might work. But remember, that's to, you know, bless his heart. That's what Rick yeah. Perry tried yeah, to and do. And
0: that's and that's what Newt Gingrich tried said, to do, too. In, yeah,
1: same thing. In your book, Mitt Romney, you no, I'll said bet oh, you a this is dollars. I and,
0: didn't say that. Yeah.
1: And Mitt Romney said, "I, mean, I never said that." Not that my book? Yes, it is. And, and it's one of those things where, wow, this really is. If you ever get a chance to see this clip from the Guide oh, yeah. for the Married Man with Joey Bishop with another woman, no, I'm not. Is caught cold, <laughs> cold by by his wife, I think Carol Burnett, no, it's in not bed Burnett, naked with it's, another it's, woman. It's oh, it's yeah. it's Millie yeah. Helper. It's it's the woman from the, the Dick Van Dyke Show whose name I really should remember, but I don't but, and he's uh, but in bed he's naked caught, with another cold. woman. And and his wife says, what, what what are you doing about that woman? He goes, Well, she woman? just
0: keeps putting her what clothes are you back about? on and walking out the door. And, she, and all of a she, sudden she's gone.
1: She dresses and, and that woman right there, what woman are you talking about? <laughs> and it was a triumph of yep. chauvinism that people laughed at this because, hey, you can just tell your wife anything. Fuck her. The, the solution to dealing with that little woman is just lie because you can get away with it. Really, we've we've evolved in telling public lies to the point where, you know, remember when Nixon lied and and he got caught on tape lying and talking about And Republican Congressmen yep. cried about it. They said, oh, my God, I heard my president talking about blackmail and hush money. Instead of throwing people out of the Oval Office, he said, sure, we can do that. And I just couldn't believe and I, it broke my heart. That changed within fifteen years you had you had the Pat Buchanans of the world mm-hmm. running the GOP. And Pat in Pat Buchan's mind, the only mistake makes the way was right, not burning right. the tape. And and so the idea was, no, keep lying. Just lie better. And when caught, deny everything and just keep denying it. And just keep denying it. Iran Contra sold weapons to terrorists. Why that never happened? What that, what on earth are you talking about? And it's evolved to the point where Mitt Romney can literally change his in- entire personality and everything he believes every 48 hours. And no one other than crazy liberals on MSNBC and bloggers
0: and anyone bothered in to the call him beltway village says, what do you want for dinner, dear? Just like the lady in the, in the movie hmm? said, yeah. you know, at the end. Exactly. She's just burnt out. What? Like, she what, can't why? confront yeah. him anymore because the woman's gone and he's just going to lie. So,
1: well, in, in this case, if you call him out on it, yeah. you lose your job the next day, and Ross Duhat yeah, takes your job. Absolutely. You know, so that's how it goes. And I do want to, as an and sort of an, an appendix to this conversation, point out that the last two David Brooks columns, you know, the <laughs> the, the estimable <laughs> Mister Even David Brooks in the New York Times, his last two columns have been absolute lies from top to bottom. Uh, the first one he wrote, I think I mentioned. Uh, last week was an alternate history of conservatism that never mentioned Jerry Falwell, or Paul Wyrick or any fundamentalists, Baby or, Cannon, um, yeah. Baby yeah, Cannon who
0: he had sat or, with on the
1: on the Sunday shows. So that entire pillar of the Republican Party and the conservative movement who've been running the show since David Brooks was in fucking short pants. David Brooks simply wished out of existence. They're they're not even there. They they never mentioned they never mentioned his column. And you know what? Writing lies that big is what David Brooks has yeah. been doing for 15 years. And you know what it gets him? Yes, Promoted. Yeah. So the week after, what does David Brooks write? He writes this. Here's what Mitt Romney should say at the debate. And he invents. It's what I called Whig fan fiction. He invents this completely alternate universe where Mitt Romney can get, just get up and say, you know, everything I told you in the last two years, I mean, is complete bullshit. I let a bunch of consultants, you know, fool me into being this other person. But here's what I really believe. And, and that's then he basically unlo- and what then he Mitt basically, Romney did.
0: I mean, he didn't claim that he was he, had been, he had been lying, but he did just totally put in un- the center and pretend he hadn't said anything.
1: But then. But then David Brooks invents a whole lot of things that would make David Brooks happy yeah, if Mitt yeah. Romney said it. But it was it's all fiction. It's, he made it up. There's, there's no there was no factual substance to anything he said. And so rewriting their own past, just in reinventing, whenever it gets inconvenient to remember the fact that you were, let's say, a war pimp, or you were in favor of really bad tax cuts, or you once believed in global warming, just say, what woman? What are you talking about? I have no idea. And David Gregory will immediately roll over, grab his ankles and say, do it to me again, daddy, because that's what keeps country club dues coming in. The minute he turns around and said, but that's a lie. Boom, well, you out of a job. And I think that's it. The insularity and,
0: and the wealth of the Beltway media and the protecting of their own interests yes. is what is at, at, the at fuck stake they here. Don't,
1: no. They don't care who the next president is. They're yep. solid either way. They got to define the, the liberal shall... up with any nonsense from the conservative and never mention the fact the conservative has shit in his hair the conservative will rub shit in his hair lie run around in circles take his dick out slap it on the table shit on the desk it doesn't matter what he does because the moderator will never mention it and it never happened and next week it'll all be a memory no one but a bunch of angry but too foul-mouthed bloggers will remember anything bad happened and that, ladies and gentlemen, it's is depressing. Why. why you need yeah. better media. And yeah. speak the better media. thank you
0: for listening. And we we want to just mention that our numbers have shot up. And thank you. We are now past 1 million total downloads. Now, we started this podcast almost two years ago. It'll be two years in January. Yep. And mm-hmm. over 1 million times, actually over 1,100,000 times, someone has clicked play. Yep on one of our podcasts. And the last what almost 250,000 of those have been in the past 2 weeks, yeah, which, which takes our breath away. So, uh, we're very grateful to you.
1: So we're going up we're going yeah, up almost geometrically astonishing.
0: and we're very grateful to you for listening and supporting us. Yeah, we are. And yeah. we're trying really hard not to look at the numbers and expect a corresponding increase in financial support because it's, it's yeah. hard to see that not go up quite as much as we would like. But uh, we're very grateful to you for listening. And if you have a job and have the access, as we always say, If you have the money to buy yourself a espresso-based drink, we ask you to buy one for us with a $5 donation. And I particularly want to thank those listeners who made a commitment to donate $5 or $10 or $15 a month to us this week. There were a couple of you this week who did that. That's awesome because we Mm -hmm. can kind of count on that money, and that's a real vote of confidence for what we do, and we're very grateful to you for that. Uh, I wanted to talk for a minute about, because we have, Just a few minutes left, and I think we can cover this topic. We got a letter and a $5 contribution in the mail in our P.O. Box. Uh, Our P.O. Box, by the way, is P.O. Box 9133, Springfield, Illinois, 62791. And that is at our website, professionalleft.blogspot.com, or you can just Google Professional Left and you'll find it. The letter asked about Simpson-Bowles and wanted us to go into detail about Simpson-Bowles. That's going to take almost a whole podcast to do, and we want to do that, and we will do that uh, this year, we promise. But he also asked about NAFTA, and I think that you can give a five-minute answer about why do we blame Bill Clinton for NAFTA. Can you talk about that for a minute?
1: You're not talking to the internet case. You're talking to me, right?
0: I'm talking to you about NAFTA.
1: Oh, I have no notes (laughs) in front of me.
0: Well, no. Um, you had said so to me the North American the the, the note from our listener yeah. said, "I don't understand why we blame Clinton for passing NAFTA." And I said, "Well, it's because Clinton did pass NAFTA." But then when we yeah. when I talked to you about this, when the letter arrived in the mail, you said, "Well, this is Clinton's triangulation of Republican policies—the way he right. did with welfare reform." Is that right?
1: Yeah, I I, I thought you wanted more detail about what uh, how much. Yeah. Pressure was brought to bear on him. It was it something like welfare reform that he rejected thrice before he accepted the final mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. because it was inevitable? And and the legislative history of no, which I, I don't, I'm not would asking be happy about that. To,
0: I I just wanted to. He said, "Why do we blame Clinton for NAFTA? The reason we blame Clinton for NAFTA is yeah, because Clinton was, passed NAFTA.
1: Because Clinton passed NAFTA, he passed GATT, the General Agreement on Tariffs and Trades. He passed NAFTA, the North American Free Trade." Uh, mm-hmm. Treaty. Agreement. Yeah. Um. He passed DOMA. Yeah. No, don't ask, don't tell was Clinton. Yeah. So,
0: and we're not we're not He not right not This was a specific question, no. and a lot of these, tr- as you call them, triangulations, where you're go you're compromising with Republicans, it actually turned out to be very bad for American labor, for gay people, for these conservative policies and these compromises turned out to be they may have been quote unquote legislative successes. For the administration, yeah. but they turned out to be bad for American labor. And so the reason that Clinton is blamed for NAFTA is because he signed NAFTA.
1: I mean, he signed it. Well, and, and more more of the point, he he this is you know the, the first time I met Barack Obama was during the early mm-hmm. Clinton administration when compromising with Republicans yeah. was in vogue. Hey, let's just give it, let, let's do NAFTA. Let's do GAT. Let's do, you know, it was, and it made liberals mm-hmm. like me angry, but that was sort yeah. of the strategy. It was, well, we got elected with a 43% or 48% or whatever, and we're kind of weak, and we got to give them something, so let's give them everything as yeah. if that's going to work. And being polite and collegial and bipartisan and extending a hand and then mm-hmm. being, being impeached, you don't forget that part, uh, was the plan. And that, as I pointed out, to people who wonder why liberals are so vituperative and shrill is, well, we tried polite and collegial, and it was called the 90s. Guess how that worked out? So that doesn't work. The problem is, like I said, I met State Senator Barack Obama um, during that period. Met him several times, was on a group that vetted him uh, for um, local office, and was very impressed by him. Thought he was a a really sharp guy, was going places politically, uh, backed his candidacy, and, and all those things you do uh, when you're politically active in Chicago and a real star comes along, but he's stuck there. He's stranded in that mode of, hey, let's find something liberal. I can compromise away so that I can get some points on the board as as uh, Rahm Emanuel used to call it. And so forth. And the problem is the, when you look at the actual history of the shit that Bill Clinton promised away, the, the stuff, every time he tried to be a conservative, you ended up with something like NAFTA or GATT or, um, really, or, or welfare reform that, um, would have worked great if they continued doing what it was they promised to do, which was wrap everyone who was on welfare in the, in an abundance of services that helped get them into the middle class. If, You understand that part of welfare reform, part of the Republican deal on it was lowering tax rates, uh, the earned income tax credit and things like that, which I believe began under Reagan, lowering the tax rates on the poor so they could actually become the working poor. And now that tax rates are very low on people because you wanted to kick them off of welfare – Twelve years later, suddenly those those moochers, those 47 percenters don't pay taxes. Can you believe what a bunch of slaggards and layabouts and shiftless losers they are? So the the very ideas that are being attacked now by Paul Ryan were and Ronald Romney Reagan's
0: ideas
1: <laughs> were, Ronald, were Ronald Reagan's ideas and conservative yeah. ideas that were introduced by Republicans during the Clinton administration, right up to health care, which was a Heritage Foundation idea. And But that's what comes from having a base whose memory you can erase at the blink of an eye. They just don't remember this ha- ever happened, and these must have been liberal conspiracy theories. And I think your point, too,
0: about it not being Mitt Romney, who's an Etch-A-Sketch candidate, but the brains of the Republican base being Etch-A-Sketch, where he can write on it whatever yeah. he wants and just erase it for the next day Yes, is exactly right. And, and the people that are collaborating with that are the Beltway media. And the mainstream media around the
1: country, too. Yeah. Well, and again, I'm putting a call out one more time for the names of the people who book these people on shows and let them get away with it. I want to know who the good Mm -hmm. lieutenants are. I want to know who those master sergeants are. I want to know who the the people are, the foot soldiers who make this lie machine possible. Because David Gregory ain't ever going to go on camera or is never going to respond to a question from a a duper foul-mouthed blogger like me. But maybe someone who works for him, who puts the machine together, who oils the cogs of it and turns the springs and makes sure all the the centrist levers are lined up, they might have an email address or a phone number. And who knows? They might be interested. We might be interested in pouring some attention on them and finding out why he keeps booking. People like him keep doing the horrible things they do.
0: I'm really glad we recorded a podcast today. Me too. And and keep the faith. I think that uh, the Obama campaign learned a valuable lesson last night.
1: Oh, they learned. <laughs> this is this one thing you got to say about them, You know what? They actually do they learn do. and adapt. They never give up their basic no. centrist no. drive me fucking crazy <laughs> blue dog soul. That's who they are. I mean, I'm not gonna. I'm not stupid crack about that. I just cracked
0: myself up. But, I'm sorry. Which is good, because I've been but, so depressed in the past 12 hours. It's a good thing to crack myself up.
1: Oh, yeah. No, seriously, just a little inside baseball. We we said, you want to do this podcast I today? just feel man, so
0: down. We are both, we were both depressed up all and night. pissed off, and we're yeah. both really yeah.
1: tired. And you know what? You know what changed our mind, frankly? We, I mean, we can do this tomorrow, and it'll be a little hurried. But um, And we're busy people. There's a lot going on on our end, a lot of it good. But... The idea was we have at last count per episode, 130,000 people plus who listen to us and would like some encouragement and like something to hold on to. And we actually have an and, obligation. And as
0: we started to talk um, about com- what we were going to talk about, all of a sudden our mood lifted. <laughs> so we just decided yeah. to go for it. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: And we hope that your mood is lifted by listening to us because that is one thing that we want to do is keep liberals feeling positive positive. And moving forward, it's it's a long road we're on. So mm-hmm. you can listen to our podcast for free at our website professionalleft.blogspot.com, at our Facebook page, and I'm Francis Langham on Facebook, on iTunes, and through our fabulous app available at the iTunes Store. We're on the amazing Stitcher Radio, and we are on Netroots Radio from six to seven p.m. Pacific and nine to ten Eastern at NetrootsRadio.blogspot.com. We appreciate so much your financial contributions. Um, there is another podcast that I listen to that has some national figures on it that I noticed was trying to get a thousand people to contribute ten dollars a month in one day. We're not trying to do that. It'd be no. nice, wouldn't that be nice? That would be, nice. That would be but nice, we are trying to get 1% of our listeners to donate something to the podcast, and we're very grateful to those of you who did uh, last week. If it concerns you at all, we do not put your name on an email list. We thank you for your contribution, and that's pretty much it, so we leave you alone after that.
1: I ask you a quick, on, the, on my side of uh-huh. our recording uh-huh. apparatus, I'm being given a message that this call is not okay, being recorded. It is
0: being recorded over here.
1: <laughs> By the way, we've shuffled... Children's doctor's appointments and a bunch of other things around to open up this exactly. one hour slot. <laughs> and now we're screwed. Wouldn't <laughs> that be ideal? It's
0: so true. Yeah. I have yeah. to get, I have to get me yeah, child to a pediatrician appointment right after this. So that's what our life is <laughs> like. And we find, we find an hour to record a podcast for our listeners who we love to hear Thank from. You. There's a PayPal button at our website. Or again, you can mail us a letter or a contribution. and or a contribution to our P.O. Box, P.O. Box 9133, Springfield, Illinois, 62791. Our email address is proleftpodcast at gmail.com, and we absolutely love hearing from you. Over Thanksgiving weekend, we will be doing a letter show where we read and reply to your letters on the air, so get those letters in. We would love to have them. Every Mm -hmm. week, we publish to our website and our Facebook page an Internet Kitty sent in by you, the listeners. This week's Internet kitty is Snickers, and Snickers is in the picture we have lying in front of a very large, tired vehicle and cuddling up. <laughs> we know about cats that cuddle up to car tires, and this is one of them. It's He's kind of doing a Tiananmen Square kind of thing of stopping this huge truck <laughs> with his body. So good for Snickers, and we're very glad to have Snickers at our website and our Facebook page. If you would like to send us your Internet Kitty, send it in email form to proleftpodcast at gmail.com and put at the subject line of your email Internet Kitty so that it doesn't get lost in the massive numbers of emails that we receive. Feel free to write us. We love hearing from you. And be aware that if you write us at any of our addresses, we reserve the right to read your email or letter on the air unless you say otherwise. So, Driftglass, how are the Internet kitties doing this week?
1: Well, Blue Gal, the Internet kitties would like the president to show a little more claw. Let's think about living. Think about, Let's think about, think about loving. Let's think about the hooping and the hopping and the bopping and the loving, it, dovey Let's forget about the whining and the crying, the shooting and the dying, and the fellow with the
0: switchblade
1: knife. Let's think about living. Let's think about life.
0: This podcast is recorded under a Creative Commons license, copyright 2012, Drift Class Blue Gal Podcast.
1: All right, Blue Gal, I think I figured out the deal with Mitt Romney. What? I, I think he's a looper. I think he's kind of a, uh, the guy who goes back in time to kill himself <laughs> off before he says stupid <laughs> political shit that he needed to say yesterday, but it, it, today is really inconvenient. The problem is he doesn't have an actual time machine. So the only thing he can do is disavow it, the shit that came out of his mouth 15 minutes ago, and hope, hope that the Beltway media will go along with him. Because it would be rude to point out that, dude, you're a giant liar. So instead, he's just a looper.
0: And Bruce Willis is so over that and so tired of that shit.
1: Yeah. I'm I'm getting too old for this shit. (laughs)
0: That's very good.
1: Thank you. Thank you.